right, Chief Warner. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Thank you so much for having me back. I appreciate yeah. it. So I want to hear um, a little bit about what the future of what 22 is going to look like uh, for the department, but also want to hear a little bit about what happened in 2021 with you guys, some of the things you could grow in. Um, and then I hear there's a little bit of excitement. Sure. Yeah, we so, can talk about all of that. Yeah. Um, so for t- 2021... Uh, towards the beginning of the year when, when COVID was really hitting, we actually saw a decline in our call volume, uh, but that didn't last for too very long. Mm. So uh, call volume then began to increase. So as of our end of calendar year uh, for 2021, we had 2,117 calls for service within the fire department. Uh, which is pretty spectacular because I don't think the department has ever broken 2,000 calls in a, in a calendar year. Really? So uh, we've been seeing a, a, quite a bit of an increase. And then I've done some studies, and it looks like we've been seeing an increase in call volume of about 10% per year. And it's been pretty consistent for the last several years running. Okay. So that, now, that's there's going to be a lot of big growth coming too, right, for the city game with all the new neighborhoods popping up? We are. We are expecting quite a bit of growth. So we're looking at uh, somewhere between four and maybe 600 new houses. And just as kind of a rule of thumb, you figure about three people per household. So take a look at that and then compare it to what our population is now. And you can see that we're going to potentially experience a pretty good growth in population in this within the next couple of years. So along with that, uh, police department, public works, fire mm-hmm. department, we're all expecting uh, increase for for needs for our community, and plans are being made accordingly. With your current staff that you have right now, are y'all able to cover the new neighbors coming in the next couple of years? We will be. Yeah, yeah. There will be a, a time when we're going to need to add additional staff. Um, when, like I said, plans are being made for that for you know the next two to three years. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, as far as what's uh, what's coming in 2022, uh, we understand that you know the budgetary constraints are still there. Yeah. We haven't seen any of that new tax revenue yet, and so we are maintaining really good fiscal responsibility within our budgets, not just within the fire department but citywide. Yeah. Uh, kind of taking a really conservative approach to our budgetary process, which our budget process is actually going to start here within the next couple of weeks. Okay. So it's, it's a very long drawn out process. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't finish. So yeah, it doesn't finish <laughs> until, you know, the very end of September. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. Now, a big portion of last year's budget went to your new, is it your engine or your new ambulance? We got a new ambulance, new ambulance last year. Right. So, uh, this coming year, we're not expecting any new apparatus. Uh, we might have to replace some vehicles or do some major repairs because our fleet is getting relatively old. But uh, as far as any any major expenditures, we're not looking at anything like that at this, at this particular point. Uh, so what I'm looking at for my budget, which I consider a budget as a plan, it shows our council and our community mm-hmm. where I plan on spending money and on what projects whether it be maintenance on any particular thing or if we're looking at a potential new project that we're going to be working on. So I'm not really looking at a, a lot of different changes this coming year. Uh, we are getting to a point where I will have to replace some aging equipment. And it's my like, yeah, like what? Like self-contained breathing apparatus, mm-hmm. the uh, air bottles for the firefighters to breathe when they go into mm-hmm. a structure fire. Uh, turnout gear is always one automated automated external defibrillators and medical mm-hmm. equipment that does have a pretty significant cost to it. Uh, in the past, it's my understanding that the 
previous administrators would wait and then take out a really big loan and then buy all this equipment all at once. I don't like to operate that way necessarily. So my plan is to replace just a few pieces of equipment at a time. Mm. I've already worked out a, a schedule to do that. So it doesn't always hit us all at once. Yeah. 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 So we can spread it out over several you years. You have like no equipment whenever things actually you know, hit the fan. Exactly. So uh, what was your uh, biggest uh, hurdle that other than, other than COVID, if there was any more big, any, any more bigger hurdle? That's, what, <laughs> that's not the right English. <laughs> other than COVID, what was the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome in 21? Uh, COVID was a really big thing, but, uh, the, the ice storm back in February, mm, that was yeah. another big one as well. I think we talked about that the yeah, last we time we were here yeah. and we were still learning lessons from all of that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so for 2022, as you're kind of looking ahead for this coming year, um, are you kind of pulling what you've learned from 21 into 22? Absolutely. It's not just the fire department either. It's the entire city. Yeah. Uh, all city departments are, are, you know, lessons learned and we're looking at how we can better serve our community. So, for example, I know that uh, you just did a podcast with Don Martin mm -hmm. from Public Works and he talked to you awesome. about, yeah, he talked to me about uh, what's going on with some of the wells and things mm -hmm. like that. So there's a lot of preparations being made. And I was like, I'll just buy you a little generator on Amazon. He goes, no, nah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> no. It's like $250,000. I was like, oh, my gosh, exactly. for a generator. Exactly. That's wild. You know, uh, not too long ago, uh, a one of our members in our in our city, one of our citizens uh, called me and offered to buy a piece of medical equipment for the fire department. Oh. And I said, <clears throat> you know, that's that's wonderful. But the piece of equipment you're talking about costs about fifty thousand dollars. And she did not understand that it was going to be that expensive. That's crazy. But, you know, and that's just part of it. So uh, there's a lot of things that we have and that we use for our community, and they have significant costs to them. Mm -hmm. So City of Keene just had probably one of the biggest incidents it's experienced in, what, 20 years, 25 years, as far as, like, response, to re the type of call that occurred. Okay. So how was that? Uh, you're going to have to be, get, be a little more specific, but I'm assuming you're talking about the uh, shooting that yeah. recently occurred. I mean, when's the last time that Keenan's had a shooting? Honestly, I don't know. So uh, When I had Gary on a while back, uh, Mary Gary Heinrich, he was telling me that I mean, Keenan hasn't had any type of murder or shooting in decades. <laughs> so um, I can't speak to very specific things about that yeah, incident. There's, a, yeah. there's an investigation still, still underway. But I can give you the perspective from the fire department and the paramedics that responded. Um, myself, I was out there as one of them, and um, the scene was still unfolding. And it was, I mean, we were in, in the thick of it uh, mm -hmm. as things were occurring. So on the fire department side, uh, we were dispatched there for a gunshot victim. And which we, our staff has worked those before. So it's uh, no. In, in the city of Keene or the people have worked those type of incidents in other cities correct the gotcha. latter um and so, that's kind of a big deal i i having that type of experience before you come on scene to know and have that background is is a very big deal it is it is and and i'm glad you brought that because I'll, I'll come back to that okay. just a little bit so i think as we discussed in my previous podcast uh, interview that i did with you i'm also a police officer so i kind of fill in on that role in a kind of a minor uh, minor setting. So knowing that there was a potential incident unfolding, I 
put some of my police gear on and then I responded as well. So I was kind of changing hats throughout the incidents, uh, correction incident. Uh, our, we in the fire department, we will typically do what we call staging. Mm -hmm. Staging is we got very close to the area and then we have to stop mm -hmm. and then wait until we get the okay. Same to secure. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so upon doing that, uh, my staff and I established a landing zone if we needed a helicopter for air ambulance. And we were able to call in some coordinates to our dispatch so that there would be no doubt exactly where we wanted the helicopter to land. Uh, shortly after that, uh, we were asked to proceed to the scene. And as we were driving up to it, which we were only like three blocks away, um, it started coming out over the radio that there was more than one gunshot victim. And they said, well, it looks like it's two. And then potentially three hmm. and they were over two different areas. So it was in one neighborhood and we had uh, two on one street and one on another. So I sent uh, one of my staff over to one street and I, my, I and my ambulance went to the one where we had the most patients. Uh, upon arrival, we were directed to one of the patients and we very, very quickly, uh, looked to see what was wrong, got that patient into the ambulance, and then started getting them out of that area. Did uh, Cleaver and Mutual Aid you? They did. We called for Mutual Aid to assist with our landing zone. Because uh, you only have one ambulance, right? We only have the one. So Correct. with three victims, you're looking at you need two more ambulances. Right, and we'd already called for another ambulance yeah. as well. So we called for help from uh, Cleaver and Fire Department, which they were able to come in and help uh, secure our landing zone. Uh, there's quite a few things that have to be done to get ready to land an aircraft. Uh, mm, so, yeah. yeah. So uh, it takes some manpower, and we needed to do that. Um, so we were able to get to our first patient, get them loaded in the ambulance. Uh, I called for the helicopter to be launched and uh, put in route. And then my ambulance proceeded to the landing zone, and I went to the secondary site. So I had to leave that area, drive through and around another neighborhood to so, get, get back so to So this is called MCI? So Correct. were you the incident commander? I was. I, okay. did, I did establish incident command there. So MCI is mass casualty incident. Uh, typically, that's when your local resources are overwhelmed and you're having to call for additional help. So that's kind of where we were. We had uh, three patients, but only one ambulance. Mm -hmm. So we were able to uh, ascertain that one of them was deceased. And I made my way over to the secondary site and our friends from care flight ambulance had arrived and we were able to get the second patient get them taken care of and loaded into the ambulance and then escorted out of the scene um, very 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 quickly and then en route to our landing zone where i had already called for a second helicopter mm. so uh, pretty dynamic scene mm -hmm. was widespread three ge three geographic areas that we were taking care of all with we were actually understaffed that day so uh, it all worked very, very well. I can't tell you how proud I am of not only fire department staff, but uh, our law enforcement as well. Mm. Um, with as significant as an incident as this was, you could tell that our personnel have trained for this. Mm. Everything ran so smoothly. Really? It did. It never happens like that. It, ran, it wow. ran like we've done this every day. So, and this is a, uh, a kind of a once in a lifetime event for us, yeah. uh, but it ran very, very, very smoothly. 
Uh, we had two helicopters on the ground at the exact same time and taking care mm. of multiple patients. They were all loaded up. Was it a care flight or AVAC? Or is it because AVAC comes out? Oh, AVAC came and oh. then also care flight came in as well. Oh. Uh, so we had our our patients loaded into the aircraft and then flown off to the hospitals to be taken care of. And it is my opinion that in at least one case. Uh, one of our police officers and one of our firefighters were directly responsible for saving one of their, their lives. Wow. Yeah, so, um, that's amazing that, uh, I stayed out there with some law enforcement and I did a few law enforcement activities and we were still looking for a potential shooter. And, uh, I stayed there. Um, our city manager came out to the site, uh, along with our public information officer. So I stayed there for a good little while, and then after that, I just started trying to help out uh, in any way I could, whether it was bringing bottles of water out for the other law enforcement officers that were there or food or whatever we could do to help make sure things ran smoothly. Now, how's it been um, post-incident for people like yourself who were on scene, that debriefing that kind of needs to occur with a traumatic incident like that? Well, here again, I'm very, very proud of uh, what we're able to accomplish in Keene. So even as we were on the incident scene, uh, I contacted a group that I'm aware of to bring in some mental health professionals that were already at the fire station, ready to talk to anybody that needed it. And that's called a defusing. That happens very quickly after an incident. Uh, a lot of it is just to calm people down yeah, the the, re, the first responders mm-hmm. like they, this is you know it's normal to feel this way. Uh, talk to them a little bit, give them some things to watch out for as far as uh, any mental health issues, um, problems sleeping, change in appetite, things like that, and they can recognize those signs and symptoms. And then uh, we had people available to do a debriefing as well, which a debriefing is usually held uh, 24 to 48 hours afterwards. And that's a little more in depth mm-hmm. and it's people kind of work through their feelings from, from, uh, going through something like this. I like to see how the Keene fire department, um, and police department are really paying attention to the stigma. That's, I think a lot of people are trying to break mm-hmm. within the departments. And we talked about this last time as well, right? that, uh, that, you know, you kind of just got to tough it up. You know, it's, if you can't tough it up and pass through this type of incident, then you're not cut out for this job. And that's just really not the case. That's not, uh, we, we, we as an industry are learning so much more about um, the mental effects of going through a, a, a traumatic event like this. So you can think of it as uh, somebody gets a cut or you put a Band-Aid on it. But going through something like this, that is a, a mental injury as well. And, and so we do have some things in place to help our staff if they should need it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Breaking the stigma and keen. Anything else you want to say on that incident? Um, Again, I'm just so very proud of all of our staff throughout the city. Um, Of course, police had, uh, you know, there was was a lot of visibility with the police there. Uh, Fire department, again, these guys did phenomenal, all of them. But even beyond that, what people don't see is the rest of the city all came together. Mm -hmm. So we had people in public works that, they started doing some things to prepare for any eventualities coming from that as well. Mm. Uh, city hall staff were recalled back to their offices. Oh, well. um, and again, there was just so much else that was going on in case something got worse. We already had people preparing themselves to help. 
In what ways? Like, what were some of those gaps that you guys were preparing for? So whether it be just delivering supplies or whatever the case may be, mm. they were already standing by, knew what was happening, and ready to help when they could. Wow. Well, Chief Warner, um, again, it's an honor to have you on the show. Um, it's really cool to hear your perspective on the first responders coming to that scene. I know you still limit on what you can't say, so just hearing your perspective from um, the fireside, um, the ICs, the incident commander mm-hmm. side, and then furthering that into how that relates to your department. That's really cool. I love that. I love hearing that. It's good to hear and see a healthy department. So well, appreciate thank, you, that. thank you so much for all you do. Well, I appreciate you. So uh, one of the things you'd mentioned is uh, some some past experience. Yes. And that's something that Chief Hunt and I had talked about, our police chief. So he came from a relatively bigger city, as mm-hmm. did I. And this is not the first time that we've seen or dealt with something like that. And so we talked about how our experiences helped to I guess, uh, smooth things out as we were responding to this particular event. Yeah, and it's not just us. I mean, it's, it's, it's the team. So, Chief Warner, thank you so much for all your service, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, bye.